This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you would live like Jesus and share his love. There's really no way around it. Death is a part of our lives. Today, Pastor Ryan Bibb and Josh Harma are joined on the podcast by Greg Hackman. He is a mortician, a funeral home director here in the Sturgis community, just talking about his experience in this field and how his life, uh, his business is affected by death. Here's Pastor Ryan, Pastor Josh, and Greg Hackman. Well, welcome to another episode of Radiant Reflections. My name is Josh Harrima, one of your hosts, joined once again by my co-host, Pastor Ryan Bibb. Good morning. Good morning. Or afternoon. <laughs> afternoon, whatever you are listening. That's what time of day it is that we greet you. Uh, today, we are joined by a special guest, Mr. Greg Hackman. How are you doing over there, Greg? I'm doing all right. I'm Rock doing fine. Thank you for inviting me to be here today. Yeah. So we Appreciate are that. starting a series here on Radiant Reflections all about death. So, you know, because that's... <laughs> I mean, not that's very not, energizing. You can't, you can't really sugarcoat it. But uh, so, so guys, I don't know if you've seen, seen any statistics, you know, that are more recent than mine. But last I knew, like the mortality rate for human beings is it's 100 percent. Like, mm-hmm. have you guys seen any new information on that? Or it's pretty <laughs> accurate. Pretty good. Okay. So we want to dig into this. Look at uh, a biblical view of death and dying. Uh, talk about the afterlife. Talk about some of the. Uh, bad ideas that people have about death. We'll tackle that in one of these episodes. Uh, but we actually wanted to start this series of the podcast talking with Greg, because Greg, for those of you that don't know you, if you live in the Sturgis area, you probably recognize the name, Hackman. Uh, but Greg, for those that aren't familiar with you and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yep. Uh, I'm Greg Hackman, and um, uh own both funeral homes here in town. Um, and... Uh, something that I've done all my life um, is been in the funeral industry, I guess, kind of. Your whole, I mean, so like, like did your, did your parents yes, run it? Yes, I'm or, actually, you know, I'm actually what they refer to in our industry as a second gen, I guess, second generation okay. funeral director. Uh, yeah, uh, we've owned, our family has owned the, Fogel, what used to be Fogelsong Funeral Home. Uh, we purchased that and dad purchased that in 1972. Uh, had worked for the previous owner for 18 years before that, so oh, wow. it goes back quite a ways. And then in 2005, uh, we purchased the Rosenberg Skipper Funeral Home. Uh, okay. And so we've owned both since then. Nice. I mean, so like as a kid, I mean, you as were, a kid, you yeah, were around yeah, this all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We wow. moved to uh, moved to the funeral home on Nottawa Street. Uh, I grew up on Wilshire, right back here, um, <clears throat> and we moved to. Uh, downtown to the to the Fogel Song Chapel uh, when I was in fifth grade. Okay. So, uh, grew up right there, um, and of course before that, from the time I was born, uh, you know, going to the funeral home wasn't a big deal because that's where Dad was at. So yeah. So it never actually spooked you knowing you lived at a funeral home. It didn't. It didn't. It really didn't. I have all kinds of people that ask me that all the time, um, and no, it really never. It was just kind of, kind of what we did. Sure, you're yeah. around it all the time. Yeah. 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 Huh. And of course, my daughter. Uh, I live now above the funeral home um, and have lived there since we were married. Uh, And so, yeah, Sarah went by all the time that she was growing up. She came downstairs and uh, ran all over the funeral home and and stuff. And it was just (laughs) kind of home. It was just kind of home. So, yeah. Yeah. Man, man. Actually, in our chapel, uh, in our one chapel, I always tell the story that Sarah, um, 
if we if we had a visitation ready to start and family hadn't been in, the curtains are closed and stuff. And when she was little, uh, she would she'd go running up there and she'd look in. And, and if there wasn't a body there or anything, she'd say, "What are you doing? <laughs> How come nobody's here?" You know? so, I mean, that was like so that was like easy for her. I mean, yeah, uh-huh. so that kind of gives you an huh. idea. So yeah, that's um, different because I know, um, you know I was talking with a couple of my kids and I said, "Hey, if if you had a if you've got to interview somebody who does funerals and they're around dead people all the time, like what would you ask them?" They're like. Is it creepy? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, apparently you're saying no. I, mean, I get like, that all the time. Like, yep. And Sarah's all, oftentimes talked about it, you know, with her friends. It's like, oh, how do you live there? You know, oh, isn't, oh, that, yeah. isn't that yeah. weird? Isn't that creepy? And so, yeah. And we had we had ran into some friends. Uh, my wife, Amy, she had a good friend that uh, was spooked by it, kind of, and mm-hmm. didn't want to come up. And finally, you know, he wouldn't come up wouldn't come up and she said what's going on she said i just don't feel comfortable hmm. and and so then after a while she you know we kind of worked hmm. with him and so he was fine he was fine after that so yeah. nice that so you really got into the whole business because you were born into it kind of kind of yeah yeah, yeah. you know when i was young there was other things that i thought that i wanted to do and um and kind of looked at a few different things but it was just i guess i uh, appreciated and respected so much what my dad did. Mm. That was it. And uh, and he died at a young age. I mean, he was only 52 when he died. Oh, so wow. uh, I was 21 at the time. But, uh, yeah, I always just thought it was really cool what he did and serving people and mm-hmm. um, and something that I thought that I, I would really like to do. So, Which you, you and your team do an incredible job serving people extremely well in the midst of the pain and heartache that families are experiencing. You guys do a tremendous job. Thank you very much. We really try. I mean, we've, and I tell people, and it's not just me saying it, but, uh, you know, for all the years that we've been here and and all that, we are constantly looking to how we can serve families better. Mm. You know, we're not just sitting back and going through the motions. We're always looking at ways to serve people better. That's good. Now, I mean, maybe having grown up with it, this isn't even an issue, but I mean, like let's say, let's say somebody somebody rolls in fresh. Like you get you you hire somebody. I don't know how that works. You know you know you hire somebody. Like how do you how do you walk alongside somebody to help them, in a sense, cope with being around death all the time? I mean, do you do you do you feel like in some ways you get like desensitized? I don't know that almost has negative connotations. Right. But I don't mean it negatively. Right. Right. But like because yeah. again, like you're. I mean, you're you you literally make a living off people dying i mean and not again not in a bad way but exactly a lot of sorrow surrounds what you do right right yeah 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 and the desensitize and i've I've had a lot of people say you know you just get to where you're you don't feel anything or that type of thing and absolutely not i mean it's you know we know what those people are going through and uh trying to trying to help them as best we can um so no it's not a desensitizing thing and when you bring a new person in um i think just kind of being there for them. I don't know what I, because I've had several apprentices and people that have started with me and then moved on. Um, and I don't know if there's one thing that I could say that you do other than just kind of being there for them and, mm. and just answering their questions and that type of thing. And as far as being becoming desensitized, again, my dad, uh, he told me um, when I first started, he said, uh, just make me a promise. And that is, uh, if you ever, ever get to the point where you have a child, uh, definitely a child, and you don't feel anything. And he says, you're just kind of going through. He says, please promise me that you'll get out of the business at that time. Wow. Because then wow. You, you are not doing, you're not doing for the families what they need. 
Wow. I tell everybody that has not been a problem yet, so <laughs> I haven't had to worry about that yet. What great wisdom from your father, though. Yes, exactly. That was awesome. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So kind of, I mean, as part of that, you know, your your desire to serve the families, I mean, you, like, on some level, you do, you enter in and actually mourn oh. with them. Exactly. You know, in the, in the exactly. midst of their Absolutely. Absolutely. Their loss. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. How, do you, how do you find joy in the middle of that? You know, I mean, you know, kind of a constant state of, of, of being surrounded by people in mourning, you know, right. all the sorrow. Mm-hmm. How do you still, you know, find that, that balance or, or live in the tension between mourning but still being able to kind of hold on to joy and hope? Like, what does that look like you know, for you? Yeah, the big, <clears throat> the biggest thing is again, it kind of goes back to that serving, that serving thing. Um, you know, yeah, it's it's really difficult. Uh, at times, uh, when you're when you're dealing with that, but you know, as a funeral director, you just, for me anyway, I, you have to, and I think all of us would be the same way. You just have to focus on serving the, again, serving that family and getting them through that difficult time. And I mean, and I tell everybody, if I can make, you know, if I can make it that much easier for them, mm-hmm. I feel like I've done my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and walking them through there, being there for them, um, our phones are available 24 hours a day. When I meet with a family, I tell them, you know, I live at the funeral home. If you need anything, if you're thinking about something at 3 o'clock in the morning, call me. Uh, I usually jokingly say if you call at 3 in the morning, I can pretty much guarantee it's going to be me that answers the phone, not anybody else. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it is just being there to get them through that. And if Amy, my wife, was here, she would tell you, and, I, and I'll tell you that, you know, there's difficult cases that we have, and um, it's usually like, the day after or the afternoon after the service is over uh, when I have kind of my downtime. And then, mm. and I mean, there's obviously there's been times that I've broke down and mm. um, after mm-hmm. leaving the cemetery and having that done because you kind of get into that mode to where, again, you're there to serve. I got to do this. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely times for me that, uh, you know, that I break down and everything. So mm. the way to, I mean, when you're <clears throat> in a sense off duty, Mm-hmm. Right, like okay, hey, like we we did the we did the job, mm-hmm. like now the full weight of it right yep. kicks in, yeah. and you, yeah. you feel and that kind of that allowing yourself to yeah. to let that go. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Ryan, you look like you're going to ask. Something. I was just going to ask, what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun when you're not because you're you're the business you were in can be twenty four seven. It is all the time. Yeah. Um, what do you do for fun? Yeah. To kick back and just enjoy life. Yeah. I am a fanatic for bass fishing Uh, i love to bass fish uh so yeah if i can if i can get away for a little while uh i hook my boat up and i go find some place to fish nice and usually uh i've got friends that fish and that but i probably fish alone 90 percent of the time Mm. uh, because i like that time of being Mm. just Mm -hmm. me and and that so yeah and time with my family uh Sarah, my daughter's in New York City, so uh, we like to go in and spend some time with her too. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So family time and nice. and that. So and that's at cool. the lake, and we do have a place at Big Fish Lake, and so uh, okay, hang out there too. So that's kind of a good thing. Nice. Yeah. So how has being around death most of the time changed your perspective 
I'm living all that. He said most of the time he's always around death. Yeah, well, but <laughs> they're I mean, either now alive he's, no, or no, no. Well, but I mean, what he's, you know, when he's bass fishing, he, I mean, I mean oh, okay. right? it's, not, okay. it's not like 24 hours a day you're standing next to a dead sure, body. Sure, yeah. exactly. I mean, a, exactly. a lot of it. So, you know, most of the time. If you want to get nitpicky. There you go. So, your question again was just, I mean, how, Sorry. How, has, how has that changed your perspective on life and living? Yeah, has, I, think has that it, been? I don't know if it's hugely different. I don't think I don't know if I'm hugely different than everybody else, uh, other than um, we all take life too much for granted. Mm. Um, mm. And you would think that in my job that I would that I would realize that with what I see, and I really so I really try to um, to not do that and try to appreciate the time that we do have and not waste that time. Mm. Um, you know, and I think I've seen that, you know. Um, I mean, obviously, we serve everyone from 104-year-olds to four-year-olds and uh, realize that, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. So try to, I try to appreciate every day, every day that I have and not waste it. No, that's good. Yeah. And in the midst of that, you've probably seen a lot of different mourning from people. Can you talk about maybe some of the waves you've seen people mourn mm-hmm. death? Yeah, it's there's times when uh, when I sit down with the family and it's very almost like cookie cutter. They're trying to just get through this, you know, no emotion and that type of thing. And that obviously is a family that I, first of all, am very worried about, you know, uh, mm-hmm. because because they are just... You know, it's not like they're opening up, and I don't think that they're addressing what they're going through, and that mm. that concerns me. Mm. Um, and you have the other families that, which is you know, that are totally, um, you know, they're totally lost it and don't know where to start, don't know what to do, mm-hmm. and and again, that's why we're there. <clears throat> and um, you know, I can't tell you the number of times that I've had families that say, "Greg, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do," and it's like, that's why I'm here. Yeah. Let me walk you through it. Let me yeah. walk you through it. Um, and probably one big thing as far as difference in grieving and that type of thing is whether, um, whether that family are believers Mm -hmm. or not. Uh, I've been doing this a long time and I can almost within, when we sit down to start the arrangements within the first five minutes or so, I can, I can tell whether they are, whether they're believers or not. Yeah. Because the ones that don't believe have, which I I don't. I don't know how. I tell everybody. I don't know how you would, how you get through it if you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones that are not believers have no hope. Uh, this is it. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Where the other ones are, where the believers are, you know, obviously very, very emotional on that too. But they realize that there is, there is the next, the next step, mm-hmm. uh, and they can see to that. So mm-hmm. yeah. So how do you, you know, you that first group of people that you talked about, you know, these ones that like there's like no emotion. You're like that's. Mm-hmm. That's a bad sign, right? I mean, do you do do you do anything to, in a sense, coach them through? Yeah, because because you you really functionally, you have a a pastoral role. Absolutely. I mean, with, with these, fam- I mean, mm-hmm. you're you're walking them through. You're probably one of the most difficult times, yeah. in in the light. You know, losing a loved one, losing a child, a parent. You know, these are yeah, yeah. heavy times. Do you do any sort of coaching to? to 
try to help them grieve in a in a healthy way yeah yeah i guess just try usually when i feel that i usually try to um kind of slow things down as far as as far as the information taking type thing and um there's times when i'll just i'll just lay my pen down or whatever and say let's talk to me about mom you know i didn't Mm -hmm. know your mom can you tell me about your mom and 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 they'll some some people won't do anything and you just can't do but most people will start opening up and that type of thing and realizing that uh you know that they're that they're it's okay some of them are you know they don't want to break down or that um especially men um but um but then they'll usually start opening up and and that type of thing yeah no that's good yeah that's good yeah Yeah, because grief is one of those things you see all kinds of different expressions of you know, but yes, it's oh, curious absolutely. to see how absolutely. just, but you yeah. can even like pinpoint yeah. some of the yeah. things like, yeah. well, hey, like if you're a believer or if the, you know, the deceased was a believer, mm-hmm. man, that's, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. And all different types of grief. I mean, uh, anger, you know, obviously there's anger, mm-hmm. there's all the different things. And uh, I've, I've been lashed out at, you know, by people that such, that's something that I didn't have any control over, but I was the person that they lashed out to. And, mm-hmm. and usually I always get an apology later and it's like it's okay you know i mean it's mm-hmm. it's okay you needed to let that out right there. Yeah. and if i can be the one that you do that for that's what i'm here for yeah. so. motions are running all over the place oh, all over the place yeah yep yeah so on, yeah. A, on a light note like have you guys ever seen the uh, the robot chicken five stages of grief with the giraffe no. <laughs> i think you showed me it <laughs> i don't think i've seen it <laughs> so that's something for you to do when you get back to the office oh, today, right? <laughs> so no, it walks through the five stages of grief with this uh with this giraffe it's it's epic. JB, have you seen it? We've got JB off mic, our producer. I've seen that one. You should, uh, you'll have to look that up. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to remember. I, I think it's, I think it's appropriate. I'll, I'll, I'll link it in the, uh, the description of the, the video episode of this podcast, which for those of you that are watching the video episode, um, clearly Ryan and I underdressed, uh, for this episode. Uh, you're making us. So. Ma- I just have work clothes on. You look, you look sharp. That's right. <laughs> Okay, that's another lighter question. Like, do you enjoy wearing a suit every day? I do. Okay. I do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then, and I'm proud. I'm old, so I tell people I'm old school too. Um, that was probably something again that my dad said. Uh, you know, we have families that that are that are surprised when we when we go to a home death or something like that at three o'clock in the morning that I'm dressed exactly like this. I'm dressed mm. exactly like this. But mm. um, there's part of that we really feel that there's part of that 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 individual that we're taking into our care deserves that respect mm. and that honoring mm. of, of my dressing mm. like this. Oh, that's um, cool. A lot of funeral homes have switched around and not maybe done that, but which is fine, which is fine. But in our, for me, as long as I'm here, yeah, it'll be a suit and tie. Mm. So, Very cool. Yeah. You, you say you're old. You don't. Are we allowed to ask you how, like, you don't seem old to me, actually. Oh, yeah. It's like, huh? What do you want? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I will be 60 in July. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's not Are you old. nervous not turning 60? No, I'm not really. Not yeah. really. No. no. Mm-hmm. Age has really never been a big deal for me, as long as I can keep doing what I'm doing. And, Good for you. And so there wasn't a tough birthday, like turning 30 or 35 or not, 40 not re- probably kind of a weird deal would be 25 25 then it was like not a real big deal but it was like all of a sudden well i'm not really 
25, man. I'm not a kid anymore. Uh, I'm going to be doing something. (laughs) Well, uh, speaking of that age, um, how long does it take to go through, I'm guessing it's mortician school? Yep, mortuary uh, mortuary school. How long does it take? Each state is a little bit different. Michigan Michigan requires 60 hours, 60 credit hours uh, in what they require. Basically, you're going to get an associates of science. Um, you don't actually have to have an associate's, but uh, it would be close to that. And then uh, mortuary school is 12 months uh, straight through. Um, and it actually would be almost, by the credit hours, it's like two, two years of college thrown into 12 months. Hmm. Um, and then uh, one year of apprenticeship, serving under a licensed funeral director. And then you take your state boards and national boards. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. Licensed, so... So, I mean, for the people that are listening or watching, like, I think, oh, like, all you do is, like, stand at the door, like, and hand people flyers as they walk in, right? I mean, you guys, like, do right. the whole deal, though. I mean, you guys yeah, do the embalming, do. you do the cremations, do. you guys do, right. Right. you yes. know, everything. Yes. So, yeah, yep. you got, you're not just a... <laughs> Correct. You probably don't wear a suit when you're doing some of that stuff, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We do have to wear some stuff. Is that a, is that a trade trade secret? <laughs> I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's and that's a big thing too. That a lot of you know, I've had people that you know, young people that say, "Oh, I think I want to do what you do. I want to do you know, I want to be a funeral director and and that." And they don't realize how much it involves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's. You know, they think wearing a suit and tie and handing out folders and going to the cemetery and that's it, you know. Uh, big thing that a lot of people that go into the business don't realize is the hours. Um, mm. The hours are. Um, and the the amount of the percentage that stay in the, in the business after five and ten years is, um, it's really pretty low. Um, they don't, don't stay in. No, do you, I mean, do you think because of the hours, just or do you think it's the they don't they never learn like healthy ways to cope with? I think that's the, part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the hours, I think, is a big thing. Um, you know, because it is twenty four seven, especially if you're in a smaller funeral home like us. Uh, I have a friend that works in a big funeral home uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, they handle about twelve hundred services a year, uh, but they have a staff that. You know, they have on call and off, you know, you're on and off mm. um, where we're not that, you know, we don't have that. I don't, I don't have the staff that can. 1,200 services? services? 1,200 services. What, what, it, what is an average for you guys? Uh, we do about 225 or something. Wow, that's perspective right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's still a lot of. Yeah. It's a lot of services. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My friend that's in South Carolina, we go back and forth. Actually, he, uh. He started with me, and um, but he'll he'll give me a hard time at times, and he'll shoot me a he'll shoot me a text, and he'll say, "Well, you know, like February 18th or whatever." He says, "Well, we just we're just handling our 103rd call for the month." You know, so I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> wow. Good grief. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> no, that'd be hard. Yeah, yeah. Hard. yeah. And my dad worked at a at a large funeral home when he first started, and. Um, thought that that was exactly what he wanted until he did it for a while and then it was like he he'd always said you know it's i decided it wasn't what i wanted because you you can't take the time mm-hmm. to be with each family or know each family mm-hmm. you know, you just i mean there just isn't 
You've got your checklist, okay? Kind of, next, kind next of service, to a degree, you know. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there just isn't the time. And I, when I was in Chicago, I worked um, worked at a large funeral home. They did probably they they were doing over two thousand calls a year wow. uh, out of mm-hmm. several locations. But um, and I thought, and that's what I thought. I thought this is really this is what I would want. You know, I would like to be this busy and that. And again, I I was kind of like my dad. I was there for about four months and decided mm-hmm. that's this isn't what I want, you know. I mean, setting arrangements, um, my boss said, because we would take in Chicago that families would call us directly and in the middle of the night, and he said, just start my arrangements at, start the first one at 10, then 11, then go to 9, and then go to 1 o'clock or noon or whatever, hmm. it, whatever we needed to do. And I asked him one time, I said, well, what if you're with a family and you need to spend two hours with that family that they just needed? He said, we can't. There isn't the time. Wow. And, oh. and I mean, and they were good funeral directors. I mean, it, mm-hmm. but it was just, yeah, just not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I mean, when you've got that type of volume. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. right, right. Or only so many hours in a day, you know, mm-hmm. so, hmm. yeah. So what are some of the most difficult, you know, I mean, you respond to all variety of mm-hmm. of, of deaths. Mm-hmm. Like, what are some of the most difficult, in, in yeah, your opinion? Obviously, yeah, obviously, obviously young, young people, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, children, uh, that's, you know, because they're just, in our mind, uh, there's just nothing, nothing right about it. Um, but my kind of my thing that I tell people, uh, and I don't try to say that I know what they're going through. I definitely don't. Um, hmm. I mean, I will sit with a family and tell them I'm here for you, anything you need. But I'm not going to say that I know that you're what losing a child is like. Hmm. And and I tell them straight up, and I. I pray to God every day that I, I can't I can't ever sit here and say, tell you that I know what I'm going through mm-hmm. so yeah. mm-hmm. yep and then and in a small town like mine and of course I was born and raised here uh, the percentage of the people that I know that I'm taking care of um, is really really good uh, but also can be tough too um, I mean because you are going through that you're grieving with them I mean I've lost a friend I've lost you know uh, but but I also feel that it's really a gift that I have that I can give to this this person this friend one thing that no one else can you know, mm-hmm. I can take them all the way through to the end so mm. yeah that's cool yeah, that's so I, I feel that that's a gift and mm-hmm. you know gift that I'm given so oh, yeah. that's good so I mean you talked about not being able to say oh hey I know what you're going through <clears throat> take just a minute like what would you say you know, from an advice standpoint to somebody like they, they know somebody who just lost a loved one. Mm-hmm. What are some, Hey, don't, <laughs> don't do, say don't do, right. this <laughs> yep. you know, yeah. kind of thing. Uh, yeah, probably. I think people don't know what to say and I think they say too much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, you know, everybody wants to help, but it's like, and it's not that they intentionally do it, but, you know, people will come up and say, oh, I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through. And it's like, and none of us know what they're going through. I don't care even if you have lost a parent or whatever. Each person's different, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing that I, t- or uh, you're going to get over the, you'll get over this, you know, and and <laughs> he's better off or, you know, because um, he was going through this and he was suffering. And so he's better off. He's in a better place, and which may very well be. But at that point, a lot of times people that's not what they want to hear mm-hmm. you know i don't want to hear that you know yeah i know that he's in a better place but 
does it make me happy right now? No, sure. no, it's not making me happy right now. Mm-hmm. I'm angry, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually just tell people, you know, a hug, and I'm thinking about you and praying for you. Uh, that's all. You don't need to do any more than that, mm-hmm. you know. And let that person, let the grieving person, then open up and let you know kind of what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, it's good advice. It Thanks. is. So. Yep. Cool, cool. Ryan, anything else uh, you want to throw Greg's way? I know we're, we're approaching the time limit. We're now. almost there. Let's do this one last question. Okay. Greg, what do you view as the purpose of a funeral? Yeah, I think it's, we're talking about the grief. Uh, I think that uh, memorialization and uh, in that is extremely important. Uh, with the COVID and all this stuff, um, it's been difficult. The last year has been very difficult for us as funeral professionals um, because of the limitations on numbers of people that can be there and that type of thing. We were talking, you know, a hug and, and that is, is huge. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just people coming in, you know, seeing that, that support and, um, and that is huge for a family. Um, again, you don't have to say anything, but just seeing that, knowing that you're not going through this alone, and knowing that there's a lot of people there that are praying for you and are supporting you and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the, uh, you know, for those that are believers, obviously the religious part, the religious services is big too. I mean, it's again, it's that, that support and that, you know, reaffirming that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that this isn't the end. Uh, mm-hmm. This is just, just, just kind of the stopover right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we go to the next step, it's forever, so... You know, yeah. oh, that's good. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, I think the, uh, and I'm looking so much looking forward to, it. I've said it numerous times, you know, that I'm so looking forward to this COVID thing being done and my funeral home being packed with people supporting families that I'm mm. serving. So. Yeah, it's put a damper on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has, it has. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, hey, Greg, we appreciate you coming and joining us for oh, this. Absolutely. Yeah, just a really cool perspective that. We don't have, you know, I mean, we, we see funerals from one angle, but you have a kind of a 360 view to everything that happens. So yeah, yeah, we appreciate getting your, thank you. I'm glad to be here. And you know, it's kind of a, I've, Brian and I've talked about it. We've all talked about it. You know, I think it's all, we're all one team, you know, Mm -hmm. we're all serving that family. And, um, I look at, that's the way that I look at it. Anyway, I look Mm -hmm. at you guys as being an extension of what I do for the families we serve. So that's good. And appreciate radiant. Um, you guys have always been so open to anything that we needed. Um, I don't think I've ever heard no from you guys at all. Um, as long as I'm in town and not on <laughs> well, vacation I was, was going to kind of let that slide by. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, always joking around. Well, what city are you going to next now? How long will you be gone? That's it. That's it. Oh. And did you take everybody else with you? <laughs> I mean, I flew, I flew to Florida one time. And who walks in is on the same flight with me. Yeah, it's Ryan. <laughs> yeah, we're sitting in the like, airport. I'm like, Greg. <laughs> there we both are. <laughs> all the, of all the airplanes in all the world. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you got to walk into this one. That was funny. Yeah. Yep. So, oh, that's good. 
Well, hey, thank you guys for joining us for another episode of Radiant Reflections. We would love it if you would like, share, subscribe, rate, review, all those good things. Uh, if you use this on social media, go ahead and share this post. Uh, let your friends know what's up. They, they can get a uh, good look at Greg. If they don't nope. know Greg, there you he'll go. be like, hey, who is this guy they're talking about? Uh, awesome guy. Again, we appreciate being here. Appreciate you joining us for the episode. And we will see you next time as we continue our conversation about death and dying and how we approach that from a biblical standpoint. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share his love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out theradiantlife.church. That's theradiantlife.church. Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at theradiantlife.church. That's podcast at theradiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.